Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back. It's another week, another episode of Cincy Brewcast, the voice of Cincy Craft. I'm the gnarly gnome, but you probably knew that if you're a listener of the show because you hear my voice every time you click the old button in your podcast player of choice. Andy, welcome back. Thanks for having me. Um, you missed a heck of a show last week. I'm not happy about that. <laughs> it ranged from some really fantastic um, sour beers, uh, some really old Rivertown Lambics, and I know, that, old that's, Goose Island. And that's the one when I heard it, I seriously punched the console in my car. You also missed some PBR in a parking lot that will go unnamed. I never missed PBR in a parking <laughs> lot, no. <laughs> we were, we were, by the end of the night, we were drinking PBR are in a parking lot and doing card tricks um and we'll just leave it at that that was okay you know i wish there was a podcast for that part of the show too <laughs> um let's let's run down the table everybody introduce yourselves we are i guess i should say where we are first we're at high grain um or the soon to be high grain it is a uh um not operating brewery yet there are no people here it's quiet it's echoey but it looks like it's really close so we're going to ask a few questions about that but um let's roll down the table starting here with matt and uh everybody introduce yourself so people can hear your voice and know who they're listening to i'm matt i'm the uh, head brewer and co-founder of high green brewing i'm josh i'm the uh marketing guy the sustainability guy and the finance guy all right. Sort of. A lot of hats. So most, mostly finance. <laughs> mostly finance. Um, Brian, I'm the, the restaurant guy and the kitchen guy, so running the front of the house. Fantastic. You guys have uh, taken over what used to be the uh, municipal building um, here in Silverton and turned it into something completely different. Um, the, the, the There's another brewery in town that took over a municipal building. That's Municipal Brew Works. And I was, when we were kind of looking around the space before we started the show, I said that they're probably going to come in here for that first beer and be really, really jealous of the municipal <laughs> building that you guys got versus the one that they did. Theirs is very cool. To, but To be fair, <laughs> you got part of a municipal right, that's true. We have, we have the whole thing. That's true. And rumor has it they're going to get apartments in the other part, so yeah. um, that may work out good. They also have um, a gun range in theirs, and that's where their boiler is. <laughs> <laughs> and they have many jail, jail cells upstairs that are still intact that I really hope that when the apartments come in, if the apartments come in, they don't destroy all those and get rid of them. And, I'm um, surprised Sean hasn't locked himself in yet. He, it's, I, I wouldn't guarantee that he hasn't been locked in. Probably not by his own doing, though. Maybe they are the apartments <laughs> that is the apartments it's <laughs> a little 10 by 6 cell <laughs> that's, what, that's just what they're telling him i can get behind that <laughs> it was actually really cool i when i looked at it i got a tour up there and um the one like in the floor somebody carved like a chessboard into the concrete floor so that when they're in their cell they could sit there and play chess. it was, it was kind of cool <laughs> we won't go into jail stories though. <laughs> we have a couple. We have a couple jail cells here that we're going to repurpose. I saw nice. some of the stuff downstairs, and um, we'll get to kind of the kind of those future plans down there of some of the things that are going to happen too. Because I, um, I'm, I'm excited to think of you know down the road when some of that stuff happens, um, what that will entail for what this brewery will grow into. But um, to start off, you guys, uh, how do you sum this up? It's um, an upscale brew pub is that a good way to kind of put it? An upscale sustainable brew pub is that the best kind of? Yeah, the latter. <laughs> Up, upscale sustainable brew pub. I it, we we try to when we talk about it, we're talking about the neighborhood a lot. So to say upscale, we don't believe is patently correct. Um, 
because we're, we're trying to keep things affordable for the people who actually live here. Mm -hmm. uh, it's kind of a, a unique demographic for Cincinnati. So uh, we even got somebody who asked us on Facebook or email yesterday about, you know, keeping beer prices low because they feel like beer prices in Cincinnati are going up. They are up shifting. Up. I've noticed that. So, you know, it was, it's an interesting conversation because there's... There's scale involved, and there's ingredients involved, and there's just normal fixed costs. And, you know, that, that's all stuff that we have to consider, but just to make profit for making profits, not always he, right. He's been staring there the whole time he's been sitting at the light. He's craning his neck. He's trying to figure out what the hell's going on. I figured he needed a wave. We have people coming in here trying to pay their parking tickets. Um, and Take it's, it. It's pretty expensive. <laughs> Should it's be good. obvious that it's not the uh, sheriff's department. You anymore. guys have that little window off the the deck yeah. there that um, yeah. to, to like serve it. beer out onto the yeah. deck. You should just use that for people to pay their tickets until Absolutely. then. You can yeah. help tickets, fund some of the other projects that. Uh, <laughs> we'll post the rate card up there. Yeah. <laughs> we turned a profit. We're not even open. <laughs> <laughs> so. When the first articles, and I guess we're going to start this off with a little bit of a gripe that may not be your doing, though. When the first articles um, were kind of written about what you guys were doing here, um, there was a big focus. Oh, this is going to be a brew pub that you know is trying to tie food and beer together in a way that nobody else is doing. And it's this new idea. And here you guys are right down the street from one of the other best examples of a, of a brew pub in Cincinnati. How do you kind of... How do you play off of your your neighborhood brewery? That's you know nine giants who we're talking about. If nobody knows, um, how do you play off of that, but also set yourselves apart from what they are doing down there? It's a big question, but I did I don't know that we ever said we're trying to do it in a way that nobody else has ever done. Not, th not enough people are doing. I think I think, I think the intention was more. Um, and probably from the quote that you guys had was probably more of the Cincinnati as a whole. There's a lot of breweries that, especially at the time when you guys started um, this whole project, there were, there were a lot of breweries that had food trucks, a lot of breweries that yeah. had kind of, uh, we'll call them half-assed food programs that some nights you went and there was food, some nights there wasn't, some nights yeah. it was, they just left halfway through the night when they were supposed to be there. The whole, and they, and I think that's the intention from what I read of, of the quote you guys gave, but then the article that I read kind of ran with it in a very different direction. For me, it's two things. One, we wanted a whole asset. <laughs> we like whole ass. So we didn't, we, we feel like a good brewery needs to have its own kitchen and having a, a food truck that you can't really rely on being there every day you're open just doesn't make things work. And you guys have a whole kitchen here. How how big is the the kitchen back there? I mean, it's it's a good sized kitchen. Yeah, we have we have a prep kitchen and a, a regular main kitchen. So we have basically everything that we can do besides a smoker to you know make our menu thrive. And then I would say the other part of that was that we wanted to tie together the beer menu with the food menu and our mission as a whole. So those those things are one complete concept not that we were going to do it better than anybody else right or or be the first right <laughs> we first go first there. i go there every week i don't we will be the first in silverton though right because so we'll be you know, fine the first at the corner of montgomery and plainfield right. well and you know you you talked a little bit about kind of what this neighborhood 
is or maybe even what this neighborhood was because it is kind of it is shifting and changing we've seen that a lot down the street in pleasant ridge to where um things were one way and business comes in people move in and it gets better and it gets a little it gets to be that part of town that you do want to go visit and uh, you know silverton is kind of ripe for that to happen here too um how do you guys do things differently than what a place you know like nine giant or tafts or whatever the want that that brew pub that you know people go to when they talk about good brew pubs in cincinnati how do you do things differently the the undercurrent is probably sustainability so we're we're actively talking about how do we change our inputs and outputs and how do we use those things more effectively? The, the way that it worked for the startup, because of how budgets work, um, we primarily put that money into the geothermal heating and air conditioning system for this building. Nice. And I'd love to have more money to do more things like that, but that's a big chunk of cash that we spend right mm -hmm. at, at the forefront where we're, we don't have revenue. Um, we, we continue to make decisions like that and uh, that's part of why we participated in sustainable suds, even though we're not open, <laughs> right? Uh, the, the point yeah. isn't to win any, any of the three pillars of that competition. The point for us was to raise the bar on what sustainability means for breweries and, and to raise the bar on sustainable beer. So we think about that more as a holistic term sustainability is about us in this neighborhood as a neighbor so how do we use those things and make them more effective for everybody else and it's it's something that you know we we might end up making something identical by accident to what nine giant down the street's going to make none of us are going to do that deliberately we don't we don't care about that the the rising tide lifts all ships, right? Right. Um, we're, we're not trying to cop their business plan at all, but we're looking at this more like in our vision of how a, a brewery should look and feel and operate. We, we felt like sustainability is one of those things and food is another one of those things and to bring that stuff together was important. Well, the, the food was something that kept coming up while we were talking, while we were setting up and you know that you feel like breweries should have food, so can you tell us anything about the food just yet or I mean I'm a little hungry so I'm <laughs> <laughs> can't, can't serve you anything yet no but I mean just to talk on what Josh was talking about you know the sustainability aspect of it you know works with the the menu as well you know making sure that we are cross utilizing all of our items on the menu um, so that we're not having extra food you know hanging out or, or to go bad and then trying to minimize the carbon footprint of how our food gets here you know, just trying to, to maximize the sustainability aspect in that as well. But food-wise, you know, our, our menu's complete. We don't want to announce it yet because we might tweak it before we, we open. But, you know, from scratch kitchen, you know, everything made in-house. And uh, just really try to, to relate to the beer and pair it with the beer. We're also going to have a, a good wine as well. So be able to pair the food with the wine so that everybody can have that full experience when they come in. Is it going to be a menu that's kind of shifting and changing throughout the year, or are there going to be those staple things, we'll or is the, it both? No, it will be both. We'll have our, our staple menu items, our appetizers per se, and then uh, we'll have a rotating seasonal menu that will relate to the beer. You know, whichever season Matt makes in the brewery, we'll, 
we'll make it with the food and, and try to complement each other with it. Well, and what I like about the space, and you know, I'm going to wave my hands around and point at things for the people that are listening, you know, because that's what I do. <laughs> it's helpful. It's, it's very helpful. The, the way draw, this, draw a picture right? and post it on your Facebook the, page. the way this is, the, the, the tap room itself is split up in here, there's a whole other side that is, to me, way more restauranty feeling mm-hmm. than this side over here where the tap room is, which, as you know, somebody, you know, I love the guys down at Nine Giant. I know they're working on <laughs> expansions and, and fixing some of their crowded issues. But uh, if I'm wanting to sit down for like a, a nice little dinner, that, that might not be the place I go anymore because it is so crowded. You're going to be elbow to elbow with somebody leaning over your shoulder waiting for you to get up so they can steal your seat. And I've apologized for that. <laughs> just, every I mean, time I go, Andy's over my shoulder. Come on, man, get up. <laughs> but this, you know, this opens it up to kind of that 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 I, don't, I mean not not a not a restaurant but a more of that that brew pub feel where um, it's less less bar like I guess and and more sit down um, take your time eat with your family and I think um, that was kind of the style of what we're going through to have different sections set up in the building to where you come in here and it's a tap room it's loud it's it's full. People are standing around at our, our standing only tables, whatever, and, and drinking and having a good time. But you can also go in the other room, sit down with your family, have dinner. And then once, you know, I said you get to it later, or you said you get to it later. But once you go down in the basement, it'll be completely different than both sections up here. Well, and I, I don't mean to keep calling Nine Giant out when I talk, because, <laughs> but that is, that is the, com- the closest. That, well, and that's yeah, the comparisons yeah. that I keep hearing when people, when I talk to people about this place, it's like, well, how are they going to be different than Nine Giant? Nine Giant's right there down the street. And I feel like a lot of people, you know, I don't live in this area. I live in Fairfield. It's, um, I'm always going to be driving to get here one way or another. And it's a decision when you do, when you get in the car and you go to a part of town, it's like, right now, where do I go once I'm here? And uh, I feel like that decision or, you know, go both, but, um, <laughs> I think both the correct answer. The, but you know, there, the, the comparison will be made between you guys and nine giant, which is why I keep saying, it, but I, you know, I don't mean to, to call them out at all. No, they're, they're- they're fantastic, and I, I live in Pleasant Ridge myself, and we frequent them often. And food, I'm, I'm sure here. they will frequent here, too. To yeah, not it's, <laughs> it's great, but another differentiating factor is our patio with the front mm-hmm. deck, which will be, you know, first come, first serve, hang out, you know, happy hour, go to our, you know, our bar window where you can order beer from outside instead of having to come in and order at the bar. And then also our beer garden area, which will have seated sections to eat at as well so. so lots of outdoor space lots of indoor space yeah um choose your own adventure book since we're already kind of on the top let's let's talk about kind of the future well, he's going to choose the jail cell <laughs> <laughs> drinking in the jail so that's where i feel comfortable keeps talking about it. <laughs> exactly. um, um, talk about the basement a little bit and this is obviously not when you guys open um but talk a little bit about what some of those plans are down there because um it's, this building is way bigger than i think anybody would think driving mm-hmm. past just looking at that the front of it yeah the basement uh we prefer to call it the lower level versus basement basement <laughs> has an odd ring it has uh, it has light wells on three sides it doesn't really feel like a basement it doesn't it's our lower level um so underneath the the tap room in the lower level we're going to have a secondary bar which will be a full bar just like up here it's um almost directly under where the bar is upstairs so our draft line runs will be easy to use down there and where the dining room is up upstairs here um and the lower level will be overflow dining for the weekends and when it's high volume in here as well as uh private dining space so you'll be able to rent out or reserve the entire lower level 
Um, again, when, when the lower level does open, there will be an elevator that goes down there for food service, for barrel storage, for the sour program, which will also be downstairs, but also for access for ADA. <laughs> Um, ADA necessities. <laughs> so we, you know, we'll, we'll be able to seat or in, hold in up upwards of 100 plus downstairs as a private dining area. So it can wow. run parallel to our normal business up here without hiccups as far as quantity yeah. of people. So if that gives anybody kind of an idea of how big the space really is, mm -hmm. um, that's the, you know, you have a hundred people down there, you have, you know, that up here too. Plus you have, you know, the, the beer garden, the deck out front, like there's, there is a ton of space yeah. here. Like this is not a small little kind of, um, I mean, it is a, a neighborhood kind of place, but it's, it's not a small version of it. Like, like Josh mentioned before, there's window wells on three sides of the building, which they go down relatively far. I think about three foot off the ground in the lower level. The glass will be changed out to clear glass, and it'll be pretty bright down there as well. So it will feel like a, a lower level with, with a lot of light. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, instead of a basement. In the center section of the, the lower level, we will be um, adding a sour facility down there as well. So anywhere in the building that you're sitting, you can either see the brewery, see barrels, see working fermentation in fooders or barrels of sorts. Never were you in the building where you feel like you're just in a restaurant that's not a brewery. That was a pretty important part of it for us. And, and that, you know, you, if you want to go just eat at a restaurant, there are places to do that. But if you're coming to a brew pub, you want to, yeah. you want to always be remembering that that beer in front of you was made, you know, just, you know, right across the, uh, the tap room. And you, can, you, you know, when you sit in the tap room, you can see the brew house straight through all glass windows um, behind the bar. It's, I mean, it's gorgeous. The, the, let's talk about the brew house since we're there. Um, 15 barrel. It's not a small little uh, system you guys crammed back there. <laughs> um, the, the question I always like to ask, and, and, and you know, I think I understand the answer before I even ask it with you guys, is how, how big is, um, is too big for what you want to do? I mean, um, About 14 percenters is about as high as I'm going to go. <laughs> <laughs> even that, you know that might not be true sometimes. <laughs> the... Uh, you hear a lot of people talk about what the, 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 the trend is or what the new thing for beer is. And people say, you know, the, the bigger breweries are not going to work. The smaller breweries aren't going to work. It's this weird kind of, I mean, I guess mm. the smaller, the, the, the big neighborhood, how do I say it? Like the, the, the medium sized neighborhood <laughs> place, you know, and the, like the tiny little nano things aren't, they have to be just right. Yeah, to be just right. Happy, well, <laughs> happy medium. <laughs> but what that is doesn't make sense to me anymore. You see places opening up with really big systems for what I picture a neighborhood brewery. And, and to me, this is a very big system for a neighborhood brewery. It's um, on so the large side. How, how, how big, what's, what's, what is the big picture here of, is this all going to stay in house or is there a kind of a, what's your five year plan? <laughs> we have, I'm sure we have three separate opinions. <laughs> They're all, um, for, for me, it's uh, it's borderline <clears throat> near the too big side. When when we talk about it, we don't want to do retail distribution. We feel like it's too big of a hassle. But you know, when when the time is right, we'll do self distribution to other bars and restaurants. I think that's that's good, and that's why it's as big as it is. We thought because of the size of how many people we could fit in this place, and then being able to represent ourselves in the next, you know three neighborhoods, call it three, three mile radius, five mile radius, something like that, that having at least 10 barrels would, would suffice for that demand. 
and uh, and if you're going to go ten, just go fifteen. <laughs> well, we, we also co-engineered co the brewery to be able to make ten barrel batches yeah. easily yeah. at a certain Play-Doh, so a certain you know, specific gravity of beer. Right. Make easy ten barrel batches. Fermenters are also a little bit modified so that they ferment properly as a ten barrel batch. It's also nice. an oversized system, so I can we can squeeze out squeeze you know, upwards more. of twenty on one batch as well. So well, did, we we gave it a lot of thought. And so uh, you kind of eliminated the need to double batch then if you're trying to push. I hope a there's particular... not an elimination to double batch. I hope that's a that's a, a, problem. That's a good problem to have. <laughs> Never mind. Yeah. No, we we start off with a 15 barrel system. It's oversized, so we can squeeze out you know 18 barrels on certain beers. The fermenters are all 15 barrels right now. Um, I will see where that takes us. We have five 15 barrel fermenters, so for now that that's working out really well um, for what our soon to be plans are right you know, whether or not a 30 or a 60 is is in our sites obviously not yet but we have expansion room in building in the right. house here, so we we generally think that the giant breweries are probably making a mistake especially if you launch you know over the size we launched where we feel skittish about that size and and being able to push out enough volume to justify the cost of of actually buying that brew house so there are breweries that open bigger than us that we go, what are they thinking? Makes us really nervous. Uh, it's, that's a lot to invest. It's a lot to think about. And as, as the distributor gets more distracted with more brands from more craft breweries and the retailer gets distracted with more distributors with more brands from more craft breweries, we feel like that's a losing battle. It's a, it's a strange thing that I, I feel like we haven't ever really had to talk about in Cincinnati before, but you know, for so long it was like, oh well, you know, the the model is, you know, yes, your tap room is a huge part of your business, but then the rest you send out to all of these bars and these retail accounts and whatever. And now it's it that that model is shifting, and people are saying that you know, no, if you can't sustain yourself with your tap room. I don't know how to word that. If you can't, it's an imbalanced if, plan. If if all hell breaks loose around you and your tap room can't sustain the business, you've got big problems. Yeah. And because all hell could break loose at any moment around us, you know, we you know, craft beer is in this weird kind of um, growth period right now. This this growing pains, I guess, is a good way to put it. You know, it's in this weird um, maturing time and you see places you know Sam Adams and Dogfish merging together and it's mm. you know you see these things happening and that that you would have not believed you know a few years back it's it's strange to watch but I don't know what that has to do with your brew house but it does somewhere <laughs> <laughs> you know as, as far as brewing mergers go that's probably not the worst one that no I it doesn't because. upset me at all but it's it's it it was definitely a surprise when yeah. I read it in the email I was like, as long as they leave sequence alone doesn't bother me a bit. <laughs> I just I just want to see That's, some. I just want to be able to go down to the Sam Adams Tap Room in OTR and get myself some sixty minute IPA. I think that'd be really fun. <laughs> I need I need that hundred twenty minute <laughs> for, on on draft in the Tap Room in OTR. <laughs> I'd take it. I'd stay I'd stay in OTR for that. Um, I, I only actually, if I could mix it with the Worldwide Stout. I actually did ask um, when I the last time I was down there doing a show if we would ever and this was obviously before the the Dogfish stuff if we. Would would ever see um, some of those bigger Sam Adams beers on tap and it was met with a uh, uh, like a kind of a nervous laugh of we're working on some stuff I think was the way it was phrased so 
who knows? There could be some fun stuff down there. Um, how do uh, how do you guys see yourselves fitting in with this? Uh, you know, we talked about kind of just this this neighborhood and how you fit in with the breweries around here. How do you see yourselves fitting in in this massive thing that is Cincinnati beer now? Because we're at what sixty something sixty your, your sixty numbers are always higher than mine, um, depending on how you count it, and that's a whole argument within itself. But um, there's a lot of different breweries doing a lot of different things. How do you how do you separate yourselves from what what is going on there is it uh can you do it with beer alone anymore or does it have to be that other stuff too well i think we touched on it a little bit with the food um keeping the the style that you see inside the building right now the atmosphere the the fixtures the the, the tables of you know reclaimed ash etc and, and if you take the the quality and the standards of that and you match that to the beer and to the food and the atmosphere etc it elevates the brew pub experience in Cincinnati. There are other brew pubs in Cincinnati that are fantastic. There's a lot of them. But traveling the country, going to Denver, going to Portland and, and Asheville and, and other beer meccas, if you will, you get more, there's much more diverse breweries out there, brew pubs. Right. Cincinnati's ready for those. We want to start that different level i'm not saying better or worse just different you know it's it's a it's a different experience than what breweries that started three four five years ago are today fantastic you know they, they started off with just beer had a food truck maybe the food truck evolved into a brick and mortar inside maybe it didn't maybe they still have food trucks there's a place for everybody but having this ex, this style of experience in cincinnati that we're going to have at high grain is 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 going to start an additional trend of of how to create a brewery you know are we going to have more breweries in cincinnati I would I would bet yes, and if more, I'd say mimic, but get towards our direction of a of a brew pub style. I think that's great. Yeah. When when you talk about more breweries in Cincinnati, um, the question that you know a lot of people like to ask too is uh, everybody's expecting some kind of a shakeout where there are going to be these places that may not be doing things different or doing things good. Can I say that? <laughs> <laughs> sure. I think it, if I think those it, exist, I'm sure. not saying that they do. Um, it, are we going to see those places closing? And obviously, that's an opinion, but it's gonna, um, it has to do with quality. I, you, you could be, you could be you could stack breweries on top of each other, as we see it in other cities in Michigan and in, in Oregon and Colorado. Stack them on top of each other. If they have quality product, you know, we're all going to have IPAs. We're all at some point going to have a stout. You know, but if you differentiate yourselves a little bit, like we are, we're trying to do with the sustainability projects that we have going on. Um, if you have good quality food, beer, atmosphere, why can't you sustain? You know, there's the, I, that's my answer to that. I, I don't think we're there yet. There's uh, the, as long as they're yeah. putting out quality product. We're so, not we're not at a point where we're trying to differentiate ourselves per se, other than with sustainability. Right. We're at a point personally where we're trying to refine the experience, and. I think you already remarked about it, like the choose your own adventure book. You got, we have the deck out front, that's for one experience. We have the tap room, that's another experience. We have the dining room seating, that's another experience. We're, we're thinking that stuff through. Beer the garden. beer garden. The beer garden. I, yeah, yeah. I, I just decided get, to get stop. All the, get all the experiences in. I just decided to stop. Matt told me to keep selling. Yeah. Um, you know, you can have a weekend promotion, share a jail cell with the gnome. <laughs> <I> mean, <that's laughs> 
Uh, our jail cells are our barrel storage, so you know, good good for you that you're starting for the weekend. <laughs> Way better than that other one. Um, but it, I mean, we, we're we have stuff that we even admit to ourselves, like the shoe's going to drop where people need to focus on that differentiation and cover a new niche. And some breweries in Cincinnati are, are doing that. I think Urban Artifact, um, mm-hmm. they're doing a pretty decent job of it right now. Well, it's, it's fun to watch how people are doing it, too. You know, Urban Artifact going creating that experience is doing it one very distinct way. You've got Braxton, who is doing it with different tap rooms. Every tap room is its own kind of different experience and different thing. And then you've got places like 50 West that are doing this massive you know, city of, of different experiences going on. It's, it's interesting. You know, we talked earlier about, um, Alexandria. We're mm-hmm. talking about kind of the different experiences you get when you walk in that tap room. And that's, to me, that's the only other place that's really managed to fit those different types of things under the same roof. As I feel like you guys are going to be able to do here. Um, yeah, that's and, and a pretty I, good analogy. I mean, I don't, I could be completely blanking on somebody that's like, oh yeah, they do it too. But. Wooden cask to a lesser degree, but I, I still feel like wooden cask has multiple right. tap rooms or multiple rooms, even though it's kind of an open plan. But you have to, uh, the, the, but, the point for us, uh, back to the neighborhood again, yeah. is you have to take that stuff in context of where you're yes. actually located. Right. So if I were, if I were downtown using a shark analogy there are the feeders that that go with sharks and just pick up the scraps right Mm -hmm. it's easy to not differentiate a whole lot when you're next to the shark but the more there are the more you have to differentiate the more you have to be unique and uh i i would say we're hitting that ceiling right now we're getting damn near close where somebody's got to find a way to think differently. And I get exactly kind of what you're saying, but I almost look at it completely opposite too, where in a city like Cincinnati with how spread out everything is, like it's almost easy to be that feeder if you're away from everything else. Like if you get yourself in some pocket of town, you know, we, we talked about um, Sons of Toil out in Mount Orb Mm -hmm. at one point, not that they're a feeder because they make some really incredible stuff, but they don't, have to like they could have done really well making mediocre beer in a mediocre taproom experience so it's it, you know I, I cincinnati is such a weird kind of beer city in that that it's so spread out that you can you can be a feeder in a your own little pocket almost yeah well speaking of pockets how did you guys settle on silverton is the area you wanted to come to the the part of town is it because you live so close, or uh, <laughs> <laughs> just a short commute for Matt? That's it. We were looking in some other suburb areas of Cincinnati. Um, our attorney, the, the, the firm that our attorney works for, as well as the firm that the attorney for Silverton works for, um, is the same. And they were talking, and uh, Tom Carroll, the village manager of Silverton. Um, asked their attorney to see if we were married to these other suburbs that we were looking at to, to open up our brew pub and we said no and the next day I think Josh had a six page email from the, Tom the longest email that I've ever had in my life and it was, but I work at Fortune 500 so it's like usually a three to six sentence email right. <laughs> so, uh, I got a, an email that was probably five paragraphs long yeah, and it was them 
proposing a deal to, to come talk to them about, about what they had to offer us. About and the space about specifically. Yeah, about yeah. the space, yeah. And we were actually in this building because it was still the municipal building yeah. when we had our first uh, conversation with, with Silverton. And they had they had just put a new roof on, so I mean, you don't want to move out of your house when you put a new roof on, do you? I just I just can't in my head, like, especially when you're talking about, you know, a city, a municipality, um, how they can look at the space and be like, you know what? This would work for a brewery. Like, I just, I can't, like, obviously you look at it now and it's like, well, yeah, this is perfect, but, you know, what it was before, I, 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 we their, don't, the we vision don't know. is amazing to yeah, me. Yeah, we don't, we don't know if that original vision credit belongs to the village per se uh but definitely they they latched on the idea because when they thought about how do we move the village forward they felt like uh anywhere a brew pub springs up redevelopment springs up around those brew pubs so they were looking at us as like being the the center of a spoked wheel well, and talking about redevelopment here, there is, what is this massive development going on over here? Like, what is that called? AG47. I mean, there's like, you, you do see yeah. these things and I, you know, I don't know if one is the cause of the other, if it's all just kind of part of the same thing, but you, you do see things like that happen. Yeah. They had already locked on to that deal when they talked just to take us. credit for it. Just take credit for it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, I don't, I don't think that the, the real estate group needs our help, but, uh, they, they had already made this deal where they were buying what was essentially vacant land to develop into a whole bunch of luxury apartment units. Plus there's, you, you didn't see it, but it's in renderings and everything. They're going to build a, uh, 30,000 square foot, 60,000 square foot commercial building in front of that. Wow. Um, so they've got like 200 plus new residential units. Plus they've got row houses outside of those. I think there's like uh, 12 or 16 row houses sitting outside of that. So when, when we saw those plans and we got the email from Tom and, and he had made his pitch to us about like all the benefits they were going to help us get um, a really lucrative rent rate. We don't own the building. They still own the building. Uh, they they helped us get a Duke class action benefit so we could use that towards our, our rehab costs. Uh, they really, really helped us out. They've also done a lot to help us uh, change zoning in the neighborhood. So we were talking about all the seating that we've got in here. Uh, outside, technically, we've got 112 seats. We had to overturn zoning for that because it's more than 50%, just over 50% of what's represented inside. So For now. For now, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, once the lower level, well, is it, open, it, it, it took the lower level yeah. into consideration, oh, okay. but um, you know, they've been really helpful for that. And then we have eventual solar pan plans, uh, they changed some zoning for that as well, so that we don't have to screen at all. Because we, we made the argument that if people saw the solar was to our benefit and to the village's benefit, uh, just to help further those things because we're we're both very sustainably oriented i mean that to me when you part of the the idea of being sustainable and i know that the majority of sustainability stuff are not things that you do see but to me the the big part of it is that stuff that you 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 know when you walk up to a place you see those things you see the be it solar panels or be it um i know you were pointing out some stuff in the uh in the bathroom you know the the the, the whatever you the what do you yeah, the, the faucets the, yeah you know the, you see that kind of stuff when you go into some of these spaces and that 
is what gets your mind kind of thinking about it. And I think that's more important almost than everything else that's that's actual like results. <laughs> I think it's changing that 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 mindset with everybody. And um, I think in the, in the long run, a place like this that has sustainability so much in the forefront of what you do is it's going to be really good for the city as a whole and hopefully for the other breweries in the city there's some very big breweries that could do some really incredible stuff that just kind of don't because they don't have to i guess um it's pretty it's 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 expensive it's not inexpensive at all uh which is also part of the point like if if we use our dollars to vote for these things then we're helping other industries develop the capabilities to bring the cost down hopefully is it just like a uh is it a, a a city issue though too because like you go to other places like like Asheville or Mason Athens or Mason whatever it is does not allow solar on rooftops at all period that's crazy yeah it's and it's because of this uh false idea that they're gonna cause glare into <laughs> residential windows doesn't like, everybody have mini blinds <laughs> but, but most, most solar panels aren't reflective they're trying to absorb the light so the idea is fundamentally yeah. flawed where are they going to reflect from an industrial park into a residential window well it's even it's even on other residential rooftops so they were concerned that in those developments one one person's home <clears throat> is going to shine daylight into another person's home from the reflection of the solar roof on their and, house. and the next thing they're going to see is you and I have to wear a hat everywhere because it's going to reflect in somebody's <laughs> eyes. God damn, Mason. It's funny, though, because there's, there's, not, there's not like a lighting requirement that says you can't have a floodlight over there's your garage that shines that's listening. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's crazy to me. No, yeah. they, that, but, yeah, that law is the joke, not the bald. You, you, right. do, see, you do see these other cities where, you know, and, and Athens to me is a great example of it. It's also Ohio. Yet you walk in there and every walk in there walk walk into town and every brewery there the, the parking lots are covered with solar panels like there's this huge like push to uh, to be sustainable even if it's just the stuff that you see you know yeah and i don't know on paper how much they they do on the other side i, I don't know I, in, in my head i feel like jackie o's and little fish and uh, devil's kettle are probably really good about some of those sustainability practices but i don't know um, I'll ask them this we, summer. We all wish to be Kona Brewing or or Alaska. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Alaskans always the example I go to. Yeah, but I, I imagine you, you picked two states that are probably the states themselves are probably pushed very hard into that sustainability thing. I don't uh, know. Alaska is a big. Oil, well, it depends. I, guess, state, I right? guess that's true. And you know, I've actually heard stuff about Hawaii too because the um, the power the power grid is controlled by some kind of it's like one company on each island that controls it, and like they actually make it really hard to get solar power. Like you, you, it, it takes a lot to get solar power because the they don't want you to generate your own electricity. You're not allowed to feed it back into the grid because the grid is own. It's, it's a mess. That's a whole other there's, show. There's like, yeah. there's we need to call a Maui Brewing Company and talk to them. Start a whole new podcast, Sustainability with the Gnome. <laughs> <laughs> there's, like the, there's a whole island in uh, uh, American Samoa where the only way that they get power because of the, the way the island is situated uh, is to actually have diesel delivered via tanker to this one island and it's it's just for a few hundred maybe a few thousand inhabitants that's crazy uh, so there were periods of the year where they had blackouts because they just ran out of gas yeah but I, I, that then you know 
Tesla comes in and it's like, well, you, you pay us the money that it took to get you two tankers full and then we can give you a battery backup and solar for your, for your city and you will never order gas again. Like that's the kind of thing that we should all be more after. Mm-hmm. So you're saying High Green is like the Tesla of Cincinnati Brewing. Uh, <laughs> with all the drama lately, I hope not. Um, you know, there's. Uh, I wish we could be as aggressive as they are with timing and pushing things forward, but you know, we live in the reality of having a budget. So it'll it'll be a while before we do anything more major with uh, our sustainability initiatives. Let's switch topics completely and uh, let's talk about the name a little bit. High Grain. Where did that come from? What does it mean to this whole kind of idea of what this place is? It was. I'm talking a lot. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it was. It was the idea that uh, we wanted to raise the bar on the concept. So we just. It, it was it's like back to the refinement thing that I mentioned a minute ago. Was it's the idea that. We wanted to round out how people should perceive a brew pub and make the right experience for them. That's our contractor. Don't worry about it. Oh, okay. <laughs> Somebody's breaking in, guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, it it was that, and then it's also related to earthiness and sustainability. So uh, high grain just meant the elevation of this whole concept in sustainability. Let's uh, let's let's shift topics again and and talk about kind of your stories because we probably should have done that at the beginning. Like, how did you guys <laughs> how did you guys get here? How did you guys all meet each other? Um, talk about your your road to to this point. Well, I hired I hired Matt about seven years ago. At uh, I was a general manager at Mitchell's Fish Market in Westchester. Um, I hired Matt as my dining room manager. And uh, he lasted about six months with me and then decided to leave. Um, he got a, you got your job with Christian Moorline after that. So he left there with me and met Josh there. And I'll let you continue the rest of that. <laughs> Josh and I met at Christian Moorline. <laughs> <laughs> I was the head brewer there and he was uh, general manager of the brewery. And so we met there and um, we obviously both left there. I went and you know, helped beer fest, uh, festivals unlimited, you know, throw beer fests around the country. And Josh went to his, uh, marketing and, you know, consumer strategy gig. And Brian was continuing doing, you know, his restaurant gig. And we, uh, came together and decided to, to make this dream come true, make it a reality. <laughs> yeah. We have, we have all the pieces to the puzzle. I think and, you know, with my beer background and restaurant background and event background and, Brian running running all different kinds of uh, restaurants, you know, super high quality down to you know your standard bar food, pub food, and then Josh's consumer strategy and marketing background and you know financial um, thoughts. It, it just it made sense to to bring this team together to, to start the brew pub. At what point, you know, at what point do you go from you know brewing at you know at a bigger brewery to starting to think in your head, you know what, I could do this differently and maybe I could actually make this, make it work, make it, make, make my thing happen. At what point does that kind of, those gears kind of start turning? Well, I think it has a lot to do with very beer variants. You know, if you're stuck in, in uh, production brewing as uh, a, uh, for distribution mostly right, and, and inside sales secondary, 
Um, I don't think you get to have as many variants as you can on a small scale. So that's fun, you know, and I think that's what people want. Um, it's also where a lot of breweries that are large now started, you know, is that maybe not necessarily with food, but as a smaller scale brewery. Um, I don't know if that answered your, your question, but I, that's, that's, I want to have fun. You know, I worked at a large brewery in, in, in Cincinnati at Christian Moorline Production Brewery. I worked in a massive brewery in Germany at Koenig Ludwig for about seven years. That's fun. You know, you're making great beer. You're learning how to do it properly. You're learning, you know, quality control, et cetera. But being able to do it on a small scale and change your batches at will and not have to worry about consistency of your packaged product on the market that's fun. We want to have fun. You know, that's that's the goal here. Is it the trend of how breweries are going right now is to, you know, brew pubs? Sure. You know, coincidentally, yes. And I, you know, I hope that's our success model to boot. But um, I think we just want to have fun. If we can rotate our menu, like Brian was saying, and have food menu and rotate our beer menu as often as possible. Some, some flagships stick. I'm sure they will. You know, you're going to have IPAs. Hopefully they can rotate as much as possible. But, you know, Having small batch stuff, being able to rotate it as much as possible to keep people interested, keep them coming back, keep me interested, <laughs> keep us interested. <laughs> you guys, I mean, you have to stay interested. If everybody was making the same beers, gnarly, no one would be pretty bored. Well, I don't know. It depends on the beer. Okay. <laughs> but, so I think that's that's the that's yeah. the reason why we went this direction. We we talk about that with different brewers and breweries about you know the, finding that balance between we've got our flagships that people will come and look for and then people always come in and say what's new Mm -hmm. so yeah everybody's got to find their own talking about the beer um i think the when you look on your your website the description of of under beers is is funny to me it says that um and this is paraphrased um traditional german styles um hoppy kind of american ipas dabbling in sours i'm <laughs> missing something in there too there was an the, oh, the farmhouse. Belgium, yeah, farmhouse but, but yeah. kind of covers the the whole range there <laughs> like yeah, if, it doesn't say pastry style <laughs> or fruited milkshake ipas though um which <laughs> both of those i i do enjoy and i think there's a lot of breweries around the country that make fantastic ones um i i, I tend to be a traditionalist um i i I didn't learn to brew on a homebrew system. I learned to brew in Germany and then started homebrewing. Um, so I, I, I trend towards German style beers. I love you know a nice Helles Lager. I love a nice Pilsner. I love a great Hefeweizen. You know, I brewed Hefeweizen for six straight years, <laughs> and so it's it's my favorite style of beer. Right. Um, I've come to love certain styles of saisons with adjuncts, with herbs, with fruits in it, and certain type of Belgian beers within the last two or three years. Um, I think it's a fun very very broad style when you say belgian mm-hmm. beers i mean that that's very broad right um so on our description on the website you know german beers first and foremost i'm not gonna you know we're not gonna have only german beers um but i want i want to be known as the brewery that does old world styles with a modern twist so we will have belgians we'll have german styles of northern italian pilsners we'll have norwegian you know the new Norwegian Kvik yeast strain. We use that a lot to, to get some, some fun new esters. But those are still traditional styles. So I want to have traditional styles. We're, we are going to have IPAs. We are going to have pale ales, et cetera, and double IPAs. I, I want to be known I want to be known for old world styles, modern twist. Yeah, I, I made that website page before Matt refined his concept. <laughs> and uh, we're going to relaunch that website soon. 
so it it won't have that weird <laughs> obtuse description of beer anymore. Uh, it'll it'll just have our beer menu on it. So yeah, I think that's that's the direction we're going with it. Um, and again, I think you need to have many styles to support everybody's palate that comes in here. I don't want to I don't want to be lost in translation either. I don't want to have you know we have twenty four taps up here, four dedicated to wine and cocktails. The other twenty are beers. How often do I have twenty different beers? I don't know yet. You know, but but I hope to have variants of certain Belgians. You know, maybe maybe even keg infusions. You know, keep it keep it interesting. Keep keep different you know different events going on each week, and you know use that as a marketing tool to to you know keep people coming back for new different beers. I think what's what's fun too, especially with a concept like this where food is such a big part of it, having different beers on tap and having a good variety of beers on tap becomes so much more important to me because you know if it's a day like this and i want to go sit on a beer garden yeah i'm probably just going to get a big giant you know glass of a half of ice and be happy but if i'm throwing some kind of food in there that maybe doesn't go as good with half of ice and then i need some other stuff that does you know like i need to have that variety and i need to have need kind to of things to play food. with I actually can't sure, think of something it, that doesn't go with Hefeweizen I'm off the top of my head. But ice cream. <laughs> I actually would. Banana. Yeah, I think you could. Hmm? I think you could make something pretty tasty. All right. So yeah, maybe Ch- that, that's just good. So maybe all you need to do is Hefeweizen. <laughs> <laughs> a heavy pastry our, stout now. <laughs> Sweet. Uh, this supports our whole seasonality menu, beer and food, uh, being that we're culinary backed and. Our, you know, restaurant's going to be a big, important part of this this concept. Having that option to do a seasonal, they say seasonal. Seasonals are just four. You know, it's not going to be four. Not it, in Cincinnati. <laughs> There's thirty seasons in Cincinnati, <laughs> and that was just this week. <laughs> yeah. But we, being able to change that as often as we as we can or want to, food wise as well as beer, I think will give us a, a you know hand up in in the the brew pub game. Right, it, it'd be fun. Luckily, we have an equally talented chef who is is also really aggressive about trying to find uh, fun, unique, useful stuff that's local. It's it's not the driving aspect of the menu, but um, he's he's a lot more interested in it than. Are you guys talking about who your chef is yet? We can say yeah. I don't think I've seen it. Sure, uh, we're paying him. (laughs) So our chef was the brains behind. A lot of the beer dinners at the Wait, Christian Moreland Lager House. Lee, Lee Moeller. Lee's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're excited. Holy to have shit! Him. Yeah. I, I, I met him at. Like, uh, I texted him about two years ago. <laughs> I was at home. We we made this concept true, and I was like, "Man, chef! All right, cool. Well, let's give it a shot." So I shot him a text and said, "Hey, you want to meet meet at a at a bar? I got a proposal for you." And he met up, and I said, "Hey," you know, I told him about our whole concept, and he said, "I'm in." So. The rest is history. So we're super excited to have Lee on board. Yeah. Yeah. For as as much uh, shit as I think people give Christian Moorline around Cincinnati from time to time, the, the food program is pretty incredible down there. And, and those, <laughs> those beer dinners. Those beer dinners yeah. are some of the best beer dinners I've ever been they're, to. They're and worth every penny, or at least they were when he died last went when he was down there so yeah. right. him and miguel down there when they were tag teaming those yeah. beer dinners they were just fantastic it, it, so him bringing Lee, some of that expertise to this to this concept is a dream it's and good. The, you know he's cooked around the world and has trained with some phenomenal chefs yes. around the world so having that that mindset and that that background to be able to to correlate it with the beer and the local stuff mm-hmm. in cincinnati and I mean, we've talked to 80 acres 
and some other areas in Cincinnati that have really cool, different, sustainable ingredients that we can use in, in both the brewery and the kitchen. I think it's going to be phenomenal. Um, talking about the brewery, too, uh, again, back to the website, you guys mentioned that you are looking at somebody to help out in the brewery, too, but on the website, you didn't. Did I not name him yet? I don't think so. No, it's not oh, named yet. I, God. <laughs> um, oh, shit. The, uh, the brewer that's going to be responsible for day-to-day, in, in addition to myself, is Al Sheets. I hired him at Christian Moreland awesome. about seven years ago. Um, he was very passionate about brewing avid home brewer wanted to learn more wanted to you know get his foot foot in the game so i hired him um well richard and i hired him and uh he'd been you know i I left there i guess about a year a year and a half later after i hired him and he said if you ever do anything let me know i said cool so he's a workhorse (laughs) he knows what he needs to do he has high standards he has high cleanliness standards uh his recipe development skills are are there as well so between him and i trying to develop some stuff along with lee you know lee has Mm -hmm. a culinary mind but he knows beer, um, bouncing adjunct ideas and, and herb ideas and fruit ideas off of him and the two of us. I think will will you know, there's pan also, out to be some pretty there's, fun stuff. There's a lot to be said about being able to work with somebody you've worked with before, that you trust, you know how he works, you you, you know to not, especially opening up with that. That's you especially know. knowing you know we're going to be putting in eighty hour weeks for a while, and he he brought that to my attention. I said I don't think it'd be that much. He's like yeah, well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, so we're running we're running six six seven days now and he's he's hanging with me you know it's it's awesome it's it's a it's a good match and i like you said i trust him i trust him and he's he's clean and that's the most important thing in the brewery it smells good <laughs> <laughs> he is he, i don't know about him himself yeah not, not when he, i'm around <laughs> but uh but he's, if, um, if he's doing his job, he should smell like sweat. It should smell terrible. <laughs> he should smell like sweat. Um, sweat and caustic. Are we, yeah. are we talking about time frames at all at this point? Are we Absolutely. Um, putting any guesses out there? <laughs> as he smirks. <laughs> we had a pretty big inspection today uh, as far as the building's concerned. Passed everything, so we're super excited about that. Um, health and liquor will be early next week so we can start brewing and making some food and getting things rolled out so we should uh we're looking within 10 days i'm gonna throw that out there (laughs) pending (laughs) you never put a date on anything but we've we we stayed away from saying it for the longest time because you you know that when you say it there's a curse that something Mm -hmm. changes and then you look like an idiot in front of everybody but I, I, we, we had a, pre, a pre-health inspection yesterday. So the health inspector came out of Hale County and went over a lot of the things with the, 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 you know, Brian in the kitchen and Lee and everybody. Um, no, no super big red flags. And uh, I talked to ODLC, the liquor control, uh, about a month ago. And he came in and, and we went over everything that we need to do and, and got all our ducks in a row. And I, I don't foresee why we, we can't do it in that time frame. So we will have big news hopefully by next Wednesday. Are and you guys when you when you do open? Is it going to be big, giant, grand opening, uh, in huge. your face, big, big, big Clowns day, or is it going to be kind of that that huge. quiet? Just open your doors and kind of let it grow into a grand opening. A dunking booth and a kissing booth. <laughs> <laughs> kiss cam. I'm going to. No, we're going to have a, a big, a big gonna grand opening. So we're going to have a, a couple. We're planning on a couple softs. You know. We want to do a Silverton Appreciation soft opening mm-hmm. um, and get a letter out to the Silverton people around here. Um, we're, again, days pending on, on what happens with, with right, the, the rest right. of our inspections. 
um, you know, friends and family and then the investors and, and all that jazz. And then, you know, obviously brewing industry and then restaurant industry evenings as well. Those nights will be also open to the public, but we will just put emphasis on those groups of people to come and, and visit us. And then the grand opening, I'd like to, I'd like to, you know, be as big as possible. I mean, if we need a white tent, we'll get a white tent type, that, that type scale, you know, hopefully again, within that 10 day period, right. 10 to 14 right. So we'll know a lot, we'll know a lot early next week and we'll start marketing it properly. This week when people are listening to this, because it will go up yeah, next week. It'll go up on Monday. Um, like three days from now, Monday. Yeah. Cool. One question I wanted to ask since you're talking about this and it's coming around the corner is, um, the parking situation, mm-hmm. any place that's in a, you know, downtown or urban area, there's a lot of, you know, people that maybe come from a little further out that are used to having big parking lots and everything. Is there sufficient we have 80 spots, 80 spots. Okay. Yeah. Well, we have, no, we have 60. There's so, um, 60, there's spots. a lot, there's a lot. Okay. <laughs> There's a lot in front of our building that's part of our property. There's a lot behind our building that's part of our property, and we share a little bit with the CVS that's in our outlot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they've got 15% of the total parking in this lot, but then there's a 150-space parking lot behind Power 3 Fitness over here. Um, Which is Caddy Corner. Yeah, and across the street from us next to the mural, behind the mural, you can see there's parking there as well. That's all village parking. Okay. I imagine there's probably um, so street parking in very close areas too, right? Like it's, is. yeah, this is, this is fairly walkable if you have to park very you know, a, a block area. away. Yeah. 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 And then I, I believe that there's uh, not our plan, but there's plans for additional parking in the neighborhood. So I, I think we're pretty well situated. Yeah, yeah, I, I didn't always, know about the parking lot behind, but. It's something that people would want to know, especially yeah. if you're talking about a grand opening where there's right. going to be tents and clowns on stilts and things like <laughs> that. Dunking booths. Dunking booths, kissing Owl, booths. Owl in the uh, kissing booth. <laughs> you can always get a lift, too, and, you know, get up here for, you know, and, you know, it, it, this is not the other end of the universe, which is, which is always That's nice. True. You. We're very centrally located. Yeah. yeah. Extremely yeah, centrally located. Is there anything you guys want people to know about high grain that you think they do not already know? I, just because it's invisible, I don't know that most people know we have a geothermal heating and air conditioning unit. Um, you, you drill those wells in the ground and it's impossible to see them. Uh, but we, we have 14 350 foot deep wells that exchange heat with the ground where it's always 55 degrees. And then that helps us balance out how much we actually need to heat and cool the air inside the building. I turned it off. It's a little warm in here for me. I don't know, but I, I turned it off for the, the podcast. But, um, you know, most homes spend over 30% on just their heating and air conditioning alone as a household expense. So we, we were thinking about that. You, you never get another good time than when you're doing your first rehab to put something like that in. Right. Um, so, you know, that's that's a big thing to us. And then we haven't really talked about it yet. It's not on the website yet, but we we are buying all of our electricity from a wind, wind farm, which helps us really uh, neutralize a lot of our carbon footprint and get us closer to carbon neutral, which is an eventual goal of ours. But as long as we have that kitchen, we're going to be burning some gas. So those things are pretty important to us. And then... Uh, 
just like little things, we, all the tables in here are actually reclaimed ash from a sustainable tree farm. And then our bench out front, I don't know if you guys saw. I did. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah. People are going to fight over that. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, we really unfortunately had to cut down this old pine tree. That's It, it was a non-native tree to Ohio, but uh, we had to cut it down out of our front yard for the, the beer garden and stuff and all the... Uh, all the utility improvements. And when we did that, we felt really badly about it. So uh, I asked a guy who goes under the business of FP Designs and asked him to build something out of it for us, and he proposed that bench. Yeah, that, no, that bench is really nice looking. And I do think that'll be the hot spot when people are outside yeah. where they want to sit. I yeah. just, I love that, that reusing something that was, you know, unfortunately had to come down because of the, the, the like you said, the stuff going on out there. Um, it, one of my favorite things about um, Sierra Nevada down in Nashville, you know, when they built that brewery there, it's in the middle of the woods and they had to cut down trees. And, you know, not only did they try to figure out the best way to, to build it without having to cut down as many trees, every single tree that they cut down, they reused in the building and like things like that, that, you know, you just don't see a lot of places focus on in Cincinnati for lots of different reasons, but you just, you, do, you don't see that focus being put on, um, like that, like I said, that sustainability side. So, yeah, I, uh, it's in, it's interesting too because like our architect, um, I'm not I'm not ragging on him. I'm just using this as an example. Uh, in Ohio, a lot of people don't understand timber framing. So, if I could have used timber framing instead of steel, because we have a lot of structural steel in this building now, then I would have done that in an instant because that's a lot more sustainable than right. than getting steel from China. Um, but that all comes down to the willingness of people to actually learn these new practices and adopt them and do these things. And it's, uh, it's all difficult. It's not easy. It's a, uh, it was, it's a slow road, I guess, to get back to that, I guess, because at one time that sure. was, exactly. it's, it's, it's really, you know, kind of you know, the whole thing. It's all one big cycle of us trying to get back. I didn't tell you about our thatch roof, <laughs> <laughs> thatch roof upstairs. <laughs> Well, guys, I think that's a show. I got to say, I'm looking forward to this. Uh, I love the look. I love the feel. And now that I know Lee's here, I'm super <laughs> excited to get up here and try some of that food. So, I think it is now officially the closest brewery to my work. So, um, well, there you, you go. Know, if I, You're uh, going to get tired of it. If it looks like there's a little bit of traffic on the way home, I just oh, might don't. go to the brewery. <laughs> there's, there's never traffic in Cincinnati. So <laughs> that's what our billboards are going to say. Stop and have a drink. Um, I like places that I can text my wife and say, honey, the traffic's really bad. I just need to stop for dinner. And I just leave it at that. And I can go a place that, you know, I'm not lying. I'm getting dinner, but... <laughs> It may also be a brewery. Just bring some home. We got a crowler. You can bring her a beer. That's right. That usually, especially if you're making uh, some good Hefeweizens, um, that usually wins my wife over. So um, that's the secret to uh, a happy marriage in my house is Hefeweizens. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Keep your eyes on social media because you're going to be hearing um, some news from these guys in uh, the very near future. And uh, get out here and talk about sustainability this is a thing that um i feel very strongly about i feel like we don't have a big enough focus on so come out here and talk to these guys and drink some beer thank you guys very much thank you thank you